coming. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. The man of the hour. And let me tell you something, Daddy. When you're the man, you make history every time you step foot in this ring. And that's the bottom line. Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 68 of the So Sweet Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get right on into it today. We're going to talk about John Moxley. Talk is Jericho. We're going to get into that. AEW and WWE fans, I'm going to try to bring you guys together. Lord, give me strength. AEW, the name drop on WWE Raw. I'm going to get into that as well. And also, NXT TakeOver 25. Yeah, it's this weekend. Not a whole lot of people are talking about it, but we're about to discuss it. We're going to break it all down. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we're going to hop right on into it this week. We're not going to do best thing, funniest thing. We're not going to do number one spot this week. Normally, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, normally do best thing, funniest thing of the week. I also do number one spot of the week uh number one spot we look at the number one things inside and outside of the ring we're not doing it this week you can feel free to find me on link tr.ee slash two sweet pod that's where you can find all my platforms where i have this podcast on but we're getting right on into it this week so we're gonna start with john moxley where else could we start he Flamed WWE and pretty much burned down the internet uh, yesterday. Burned down Twitter yesterday. And, like, he just went at WWE's neck on Talk is Jericho. I have a few of the quotes from the podcast that I wrote down. I went back and listened to it myself. And, like, just hearing me talk about it, it won't do it justice. You have to go back and listen to the whole hour and a half of him just pulling the curtain back not even just peeking the curtain back just ripping it down and pulling it back so he talked about many things in his podcast he called Vince a supposed genius and I won't have all of the, the quotes listed here because I don't want to turn this into an entire podcast full of me listing quotes so if you want to hear all of it go to uh, talk to Jericho find talk to Jericho and go listen to the podcast Call Vince a supposed genius. Talk about how out of touch Vince was, man. And I'm going to get into that later as well. He talked about also how he went through the storyline with Seth Rollins and how stupid it was for him to wear a gas mask. And in that, he also talked about how he had to get stupid lines rewritten out of those promos against Seth Rollins. And it turned into him wearing a gas mask. He complained, but Vince wasn't having none of it. Another great line from this, or I won't call it great, but eye-opening line. There was a line that Vince McMahon wanted him to read about Roman Reigns' cancer. And it turns out that through all the back and forth that we had throughout all that time, he never wanted to bring Roman Reigns' cancer into this storyline. And at the time, I was saying, okay, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Roman's alright with that I'm pretty sure Dean is alright with that So uh, I guess I gotta be alright with it too Because there was a lot of uh, back and forth Like man should they really be involving this In the storyline And it turns out that John Moxley didn't want it uh, To go down either But he said that There was a line that Vince fed him that If he said it They would probably He said that not probably He said that they would lose sponsorships And that he would probably lose his job 
And I look at that and I'm like, bro, what was the line that Vince had that would have had him say that? And, you know, Vince, like in this day and age, WWE has pulled back on the things that they used to get get away with in the past. But every now and again, you'll hear something and you'll be like, what was that? I heard a couple of those things in the Kofi Kingston uh, storyline, but that's beside the point. But he had Dean Ambrose. John Moxley, excuse me, I'm going to do that like a bunch of times throughout this podcast, but he seemed to have a line that he felt super uncomfortable with, and like, man, that is, I don't want to say surprising, but that's that's tough, man, that's very tough. He also went on to talk about how he got over, and I'm not sure at what point of his career he was talking about, but he said that he got over on his own and then WWE did everything to get their hands on him and mold them into their form of what they wanted him to be. And it continuously, like, it derailed his momentum. I know from a standpoint of Dean Ambrose got over years ago. This was the year when he faced off against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And that match turned out to be a dumpster fire. And that was at a standpoint where it was like WWE didn't go all the way with the guy. He got over again, and then it was like uh, they, now they're putting their touch on Dean Ambrose. And when they should have just been letting the guy go crazy, they just they just never let him go down that line. And, and I'm not sure of which point of his career he was talking about, but he had a valid point on any time that he got over WWE tried to WWE eyes him. If that's a word, they tried to put their own touch on him. Uh, he talked about how he hated, absolutely hated his return. His most recent return, we returned for the week before SummerSlam. I gotta say, I, I didn't really like it either. Dean Ambrose said, John Moxley, excuse me, I'm trying here. He said that he wanted to return at SummerSlam and that they granted him that promise, but it turns out that they wanted him to re- uh, to return the week of. He talked about how Seth Rollins really gave it away. He talked about how, you know, in his promo, uh, Seth Rollins talked about how Dolph had a psychopath and he needed a lunatic and, like, Dean hated that. And he talked about how it really separated the roar of the crowd. And, and I can understand why he would hate that. And like, you know, how could you mess that up? Like you said, how could you mess that up? Just go with it. Just have him come out. And he also went on to talk about his, his dismissal from WWE. D- John said that, man, he would have started a training school. And he said that AEW had nothing to do with him leaving WWE. Said that if he had to, he would have started the training school. He would have just started his promotion uh, from from scratch. And I found that like surprising. Like. He really wanted to get, just get away from WWE. Like, he wanted out of there. And he talked about how he told them in January that he was out. And the surprising thing about that was, if they knew way back in January, because he told them that, you know what, WrestleMania is coming around. I don't want to have you not know, know who's on deck. And he told them that he was out in January. And what the surprising thing about that is that they still promoted the dude. Uh, they still had the press release. They still promoted him. Uh, Dean Ambrose is leaving WWE. Happy we're talking about how he was at work. They still promoted the guy. That was one of the dumber things that I've ever seen WWE do in recent memory. Like I said before, they pretty much said, 
Go out and watch what Dean Ambrose does when he leaves wrestling. Uh, when he comes back, go out and watch what he does. They super promoted the guy, and I really felt like they thought that they were embarrassing him in some way on the way out, when in fact they were promoting the guy on the way out. Uh, when it came down to him leaving, uh, he had it out with Vince McMahon, and I think this was about Nia Jax, or it was about something, but it was pretty much him, he, he was out of the door. Uh, not long before he, he was done with the company, said that he had it out with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon foolishly said that, well, I had no idea of how mad you were. You should have came in the office. And John Moxley told all of these stories about him coming into the office, talking about how upset he was with Vince with the creative process and uh, the process of him doing these dumb, jokey things. So, Vince, obviously, if we're taking John Moxley for his words, which I don't believe, I don't know why he would lie at this point or have a reason to lie at this point. Why would Vince McMahon ever say that he had no idea how upset John Moxley was? Clearly, the guy was upset. And talked about how Vince McMahon had a million dollar complex. He wanted to buy everybody out. He wanted to stay in control of everybody. But at the end of the day, he said that with AEW, he wanted to show WWE that their creative process sucks. And I gotta say that, for the most part, their creative process does suck. Like, they have their moments every now and again, but there are so many wasted superstars out there that I look at and I'm like, man, do something with this guy. He's so great. Or do something with this girl. She's so great. The creative process, for the most part, does suck, but hopefully it gets back going. He's, even John Moxley said that himself. Uh, if AEW gets going really well, he hopes that WWE changes their creative process. He said that Vince McMahon also would likely die in the chair uh, before uh, changing the creative process or whatever. But we look at this podcast, and one of the most surprising things about this entire podcast is Jericho didn't ask him nearly anything, like almost anything. Like, when I saw the initial quotes from John Moxley, I said that, okay, let me let me listen to the podcast and let me see if Jericho asked him something that led him down this, this path. Let me see if he's asked a direct question. And then he said what he said. Like, the podcast really got going and did, excuse me, John Moxley pretty much said, okay, I want to do this. This is how the podcast is going to go, and I want to go all out on it. Jericho really laid back. Like, Jericho did not lead him into anything. This was John Moxley and John Moxley alone. I don't know if they discussed that before the podcast, but during the podcast, Jericho didn't really lead him on into anything. This was a John Moxley, Tupac, hit him up, a style podcast on WWE. And I listen to it and I feel justified as a fan. Pretty much everything that I've said about John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, like it got justified on that podcast. Everything I've, I've talked about, the jokey John Moxley and how, like, what's the point? Like, what? why are they treating him like a joke? That guy felt that way the entire run with WWE. Why am I getting treated like a joke? Everything that they had John Moxley do, everything from the failed heel run uh, during his latest comeback with WWE, we're all looking at it in like, 
Like, why are they not running with this guy? Why are they having him come out and insult the crowd? For goodness sakes, just let him be the heel that he looked like, the crazy heel that he looked like he was when he initially came back. He hated that too. Pretty much everything that we complained about with Dean Ambrose, it was justified on that podcast yesterday. So when I look at, uh, you know, fans, I complained about other fans. When we, I complained about Dean Ambrose and how stupid he looked. I do to the creative process like I look at it I'm like you know what in this instance you know we complain a lot about ass wrestling fans but in this instance look we were right and from Dean Ambrose's point the guy sounded so frustrated with the process to where I understood why he, he was done and I had no problems with him uh, dumping it all out like maybe you didn't have to pull back all of the curtain but I had no problem with him talking about the process. But at the same time, he was frustrated, but he sounded so liberated about where he was in his life uh, as it stands right now with him being an AEW. Talk about how there were a lot of new competitors, not a lot of new guys that he has to face off with. Uh, he's also in New Japan as well. Uh, he's talking about how, well, he didn't talk about New Japan, but he just talked about how he was taking on new challenges. So I assume that that was New Japan as well. So he seems liberated and he seems excited for his process uh, going forward. And I'm happy for the guy. We'll see how it all turns out. That podcast was just, look, you gotta go listen to it. You just won't believe how much he pulls back the curtain. Even his Vince McMahon impersonation is pretty darn good. I got to hand it to him. His John Lord Knight is on par, par with CM Punk's impersonation. I just got to say that. But that's beside the point. Just an enlightening, surprising, shocking podcast that he would go that far. So moving on. AEW fans versus WWE fans. Oh my goodness. We have this going back and forth, and I'm just sitting here like, why, man? Someone tell me why we are going back and forth. After Double or Nothing, I said this months ago, when All of You Wrestling was first debuted, we had, the, we had the fights going back and forth, and we had the same thing with Double or Nothing. I said it on Twitter months ago, it, on my podcast months ago. It's like Game Wars out here, man. And that's what it was on the double or nothing. That was, you know, mostly positive content, mostly positive feedback. But eventually we got down to the point where it was AEW fans versus WWE fans. It was like Game Wars out here, man. It was like East Coast versus West Coast in the 90s. In the, in the, in the 90s, uh, going back to rap music, if you don't get that reference. And I'm just here to say that, man, this could be a whole lot more pleasant if you look at the brighter picture of wrestling fans. Let me take a left turn here. The Monday Night Wars was really fun. I consider myself a huge WCW fan. But at the end of the day, I grew up in the early 90s, but I saw something called WWF and I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. You know what? We had all these guys here. It was well done. You got your Hulk Hogan, you got your Jake the Snake, your Randy Savage, all those legends out there. It was really fun to look at. And once we got on to the Monday Night Wars, I adopted that mindset. You know, there was Raw, and here came Nitro. I watched both companies, and I had a fun time. Look, if this was, if Twitter existed in the 90s, I would be championing both companies. I would be happy to see both companies, but there is just this divide to where it seems like 
people don't want All Elite Wrestling to succeed for whatever reason. And I'm here to say that we all should be rooting for All Elite Wrestling to succeed. They have a billionaire backing them. It's the modern day Ted Turner. He's backing them. We got the cons backing All Elite Wrestling. So if All Elite Wrestling succeeds, that means more quality wrestling that we get to watch. That means another alternative that we get to watch as wrestling fans. It's looking like they may take over that Tuesday night slot. So that means more fun, more wrestling for us. That's another alternative for us. It means more money for the wrestlers that put their bodies on the line for us every week and every show, every pay-per-view. More money for the girls and the guys. And you know why? We should all come together, at least you AEW fans, you WWE fans that are fighting every day. The most important part of all this, WWE will likely get better. Or at least I hope. The last time we had a True Blue number two. And at this point, all they wrestling, all they have is one show. So we'll see how it turns out. But they got a billionaire backing them. And they got a, a show on a highly prestigious television network that will be going on weekly. The last time that happened... And the last time WWE got knocked down to the bottom, they came up swimming and they came up and they started the Attitude Era and you know the rest. When WWE faces stiff competition, it pulls the best out of WWE. That's why I want All Elite Wrestling to succeed. Like, at, at some point, I want AEW to really knock WWE down in something. AEW has found their niche. Their niche is we are wrestling. We have adopted the sporting aspect of wrestling. And I wanted to get to a point where AEW is a huge thing down the line. Maybe years from now or a year from now, whenever. Years from now, we can look at it and be like, okay, AEW may be on the level of WWE. Eventually, hopefully, that gets WWE's attention. And they focus more on the sporting aspect and not on the sports entertainment aspect of wrestling if they do that then this is all positive for us man wwe will come swimming their way back up they will be all right and that's why we should all root for aew to succeed this could be a fun thing be on the in the infamous words of barry corbin be on the right side of history man we are looking at possibly another version of wrestling wars it could be down years up down the line like it took w wcw three years or so or two or two years or so before they really started kicking wwe's behind on nitro so it may take AEW a while to be considered a top-notch program a legit program but we'll see how it all turns out going forward it's best for everyone if it works out for aew so moving on we're going to go to the AEW name drop on Monday Night Raw. Like, what were they thinking, man? Ah, Sami Zayn mentions AEW on Monday Night Raw. And I'm just sitting there like, man, you just gave them free publicity. You just talked about the number two, three, four, wherever you have AEW ranked. You just gave them free publicity. And, and Triple H did it at the Hall of Fame ceremony. And, like, here it is. Sami Zayn mentions them on Monday Night Raw. They script that into the script on Monday Night Raw. Two days after Double or Nothing, the best pay-per-view of the year. You give the guys free publicity. And the first thing I did, because I watched it on tape delay, I went and searched AEW on Twitter. It's the first thing I did. I seen everybody talking about it. And I seen a tweet 
and I cannot remember who tweeted it out first, but they showed the Google uh, numbers and it showed that right when Sami Zayn mentioned AEW, it's the search for AEW spiked on Google. And like that is free publicity, man. To a lesser extent, it, it isn't on this level, but it reminds me when WCW mentioned Mick Foley and everybody turned to WWE. Obviously, this is not on that level, but they mentioned them and the the, the, the search uh, ratings or whatever spiked for AEW. If anybody didn't know anything about AEW, they know it after Monday Night Raw, after watching it. You just mentioned it on the biggest wrestling show of all time, weekly wrestling show of all time. You mentioned AEW. This is like when, if I may take a detour here, it's like when, if I can give you an example, Jay-Z at one time mentioned 50 Cent on a song. He said, I'm about to dollar. who is 50 Cent? This is about, this is at a time when 50 Cent was the lesser known. Jay 50 Cent made a diss track about everybody in the music industry. Jay-Z was one of them in it as well. Jay-Z mentioned him, guy at the top, and that's when 50 Cent started to get noticed. Like you and we can turn this to AEW and WWE. You keep mentioning them, and AEW is eventually gonna get noticed by these fans. So we sit here and they acknowledge AEW and you may not look at AEW as competition, but WWE is threatened by AEW. Let me tell you that. Or else we wouldn't have them up here mentioning AEW at the Hall of Fame on WWE Raw. After that, only one show in its existence, we have them mentioning AEW. So WWE better watch out. They're just fine that they are a billion dollar conglomerate. They, have, they are in no space of being put out of business. But you better be careful about who you give free publicity to. So that's my thoughts on them name dropping AEW. We're going to get into the NXT TakeOver card. And boy, this is strange, man, because nobody is talking about NXT TakeOver. I look up and down my Twitter timeline and like, man, nobody's talking about it. Normally, we get to the week of, of NXT TakeOver, and it is dominating talk. I don't know if it's because Double or Nothing was so great. I don't know if it's because Dean Ambrose kind of took the headlines or what on Talking Jericho. But nobody's really talking about Double excuse me, NXT TakeOver. And, man, it is so surprising to me. I expect it to be a good card. I got I to gotta be honest with you. The build has been eh, decent at best, to be honest with you. And I'm not used to saying that about, you know, NXT TakeOver, but I expect it to be a phenomenal wrestling show. We're going to get to Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Uh, Roderick Strong, it looked like they were going to break up the Undisputed era, era, excuse me, for a point in time. Roderick Strong looked like he was on the outs of the Undisputed era, but he attacked Matt Riddle. And now we have this match set up. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. And I'm very much looking forward to it. This is a good choice to start the show with as these guys are phenomenal wrestlers and they are quick wrestlers and I expect it to be a phenomenal match. Matt Riddle will pick up the victory here. He will get his revenge on Roderick Strong. So moving on, we got Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze. This is very interesting because I don't know if Tyler Breeze is on NXT full time now, but he interrupted Velveteen Dream. And they had a really good promo. It was one promo that I saw. I saw this and I was sold on the match. I was like, okay, let's do this. 
at NXT TakeOver and I was ready for it. Like one promo got me very much invested into it. Velveteen Dream called Tyler Breeze a great value <laughs> version of Velveteen Dream. Tyler Breeze called him a knockoff of Tyler Breeze. And like it was a really good promo. And these guys talk about excellent wrestlers. Tyler Breeze, I know what he brings to the table. I know what Velveteen Dream brings to the table. And I'm very excited about this match. One of the matchups that I guess I would put this second. One of the matches that I'm very much looking forward to. Either second or third. Because I'm very much looking forward to this match. I expect it to be really good. I think Tyler Breeze actually has a good chance to win here. But I'm going to go with Velveteen Dream to retain his NXT North American Championship. Moving on, we got the NXT Tag Team Championship ladder match. This could be the best match of the night. It's why I said, uh, when I was looking at Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze, I said second or third. Yeah, I'm going to go with third because I'm looking toward this match the most. And we got Danny Burch, Oni Larkin versus the Street Profits versus the Forgotten Sons versus Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. I got to say to lead into this match, I got to say that I'm very upset that the tag team titles were vacated. I'm I'm the, the type that really feels like, okay, we got the Viking Raiders there. You have to have somebody benefit off of beating them, get the rub off of beating the tag team champions who wore a great team in NXT. And I really felt like they should have had the Street Profits defeat them on that NXT when the tag team titles were on the line. The Street Profits should have won that match. But it turns out that they didn't. And now the titles are vacated. So what I expected, we had a nice brawl on the go-home show of NXT TakeOver where the Undisputed Era stood tall. And what I expect here is a crazy phenomenal match. And we got a ladder involved. We got all these teams involved. There should be spot after spot after spot. And I'm expecting it to be a phenomenal, phenomenal match that I'm very much looking forward to. At this point, as it pertains to the winner, it's now or never for the Street Profits, man. If you're going to go with them, if you're going to take them seriously as a tag team, now is the time to go with them. Put the titles on the Street Profits. I think now is the time for the Street Profits to pick up the win, to pick up their tag team titles. So moving on, we got Shayna Baszler versus Il Shari and Shari, excuse me, and like Shayna Baszler... Like, at this point, I really felt like the last couple of takeovers, it was time to take the title off of Shayna Baszler. Like, at this point, there's nothing left for Shayna Baszler to do as champion. She has dominated the entire women's roster. And to the point to where it's now, it's like, eh, what? There, there's nothing to do now. It's kind of like when Buddy Murphy held on to the Cruiserweight Championship all that long and he ran through the entire roster of 205 Live. And it's like, there's nothing for the else for the guy to do except get called up and that's where we're at with Shayna Baszler there's nothing left for her to do she's run through Bianca Belair ended her undefeated streak she ran through the girls Kyrie Sane, Io and Belair I think it was a fatal foray at TakeOver New York at the last TakeOver she ran through them now it is time for Io to pick up the victory here like, there's nothing else for Shayna Baszler to do outside of face people that she's already beaten up in some shape or form. Whether that be a match or a beat down at some point. 
uh, with the other four horsewomen or whatever they're calling themselves now. It's time for EO Sorrel to pick up the victory, and I think that EO will pick up the victory here. She will be your new NXT Women's Champion. Moving on to the main event, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Timing is everything, man. I said this on the last NXT preview, NXT TakeOver preview. I said, now is the time for Adam Cole. Sometimes moments are everything. And WrestleMania weekend was the time to put the title on Adam Cole. I said that the worst thing that NXT can do is give Johnny Gargano a token title reign because they feel like they want to get give him his title run in NXT. And that's exactly what they have done. And that's what exactly what it has felt like. It has felt like a token title reign for Johnny Gargano. And I feel like the moment is too late for Adam Cole to have a significant moment when he wins. But it's not too late for him to be a significant champion to have a great run with the title. So at the end of the day, this will be an awesome matchup. I'm very much looking forward to it. I don't know if they top their matchup from the last takeover, I'm pretty sure that they don't because that match was ridiculous. But at the end of the day, I expect this to be a great matchup. I expect Adam Cole, baby, to pick up the win. He will be your new NXT champion. So let me know what you guys think of the NXT card or anything on this podcast, whether that be on Twitter at 2SweetPod, that's the number two, SweetPod, or at OMGCoreyB, or on the YouTube comments down below. Uh, Periscope, you can find me on Twitter as well. Let me know your comments, your thoughts on all of this podcast. John Moxley, NXT TakeOver, whatever you got, let me know.